You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. Hello, and welcome back to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. This is Sam Brager, Outreach Coordinator for the Utah Lake Commission and host of the podcast. And we're really excited today to talk a little bit more about water levels at Utah Lake. Four years ago, when uh, I came on the job as the Outreach Coordinator, uh, the lake actually bottomed out at like seven or eight feet below compromise. Now, for those who may not know, compromise is what's considered full at Utah Lake. So that's an elevation designation at 4,489 feet above sea level. Um, And we'll get into why that is what it is in just a second here. But The podcast episode today is primarily pulling from a blog post that we drafted back at that time to help people understand why water levels at Utah Lake fluctuate. Um, And we actually have a special little audio clip to share with you from a presentation that was given at our September 17th governing board meeting by Central Utah Water Conservancy District. And that's the water district that provides water here in Utah County. Uh, And they talked about kind of forecast, if you will, on water based off of what we've had last year, how our summer went and what we're looking at for the next couple of months. So kind of a cool clip from uh, Tom Bruton, who did a great job, fantastic presentation. Um, And if you want to check out his whole presentation, you can go visit our YouTube channel, Utah Lake Commission. uh, And it is there from the Zoom meeting because we had some people in in person uh, with social distancing and others just listened in electronically. Um, Great presentation. A lot of great information, understanding how weather uh, impacts reservoir levels here in Utah. To start with, we've got to help you understand uh, what lake level, how they get compared at Utah Lake. So Utah Lake full is considered Utah Lake compromise. And that is actually the result of a lawsuit back in 1983 after the 83 flood. Uh, Up till that point, Utah Lake didn't have a full determination. So that was established as a result. um, And that makes the lake when it's full on average about 10 feet deep. Um, The second outcome was that the Jordan River with its pumps had to have procedures in place that if the lake were to look like it's going to be approaching full, that it be pumped downstream faster in order to prevent flooding. Um, So this year in 2020, we actually did pass full just slightly. I think we had like 100.4% or something. Um, But uh, the pumps had started well before that and there was a lot of runoff coming down at once. And so they were able to protect against flooding at the lake. So when it comes to Utah Lake, obviously levels are not very deep. And so a lot of people really care about when it is shallow or deal. I mean, like I said, four years ago when I came on, an average depth with it seven feet below compromise, that's an average depth of three feet of water. Now, granted, there are some boats who function in it. I know a lot of sailors who actually have, I met one, I think that his boat could go in as little as 18 inches of water. So still there's options for recreation, but nobody really likes those lake levels, including us. So pre-settlement lake levels at Utah Lake. You got to understand Utah Lake started out as a part of Lake Bonneville. You know, how large was Lake Bonneville though? Um, 19,800 square miles. So to put that in perspective, Utah Lake is 150 square miles when it's full. And that's considered the third largest freshwater lake west of the Mississippi uh, as far as surface area goes. So we actually have a map on the blog post, which we'll share that in the link that actually shows Lake Bonneville superimposed over Utah Lake and shows just how massive Lake Bonneville was. So, you know, as we know, Utah Lake today is very different from what it started out. So maximum water levels at Lake Bonneville was 600 feet higher than today's compromise level. You know, due to erosion, long periods of dry climate, levels obviously dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped over time until you've got the Great Salt Lake, Utah Lake, and a few other water bodies that are the remnants of Lake Bonneville. After settlement at Utah Lake, the earliest records show the highest lake level 
at 4,495.5, which is about six and a half feet above current full or compromise. And that happened in 1862. Moving forward in the 1930s, 60s, early 90s, water levels were a lot lower than other periods because of significant periods of time of drought um, that was exacerbated by evaporation and demands to meet downstream water rights. So there's actually a chart on our website that shows fluctuations. Um, right now it shows, I believe, 1884 through 2016. We're in the process of trying to get that updated to show up through 2020. So stay tuned for that. There'll be an update for the last four years showing the chart going back up to a compromise and passing it just a tiny little bit. Um, but a cool little chart to kind of see what lake levels have looked like compared to what's considered to be full today. Um, really great info and that data and the research that we're sharing today, um, I forgot to mention that actually comes from a uh, report, a research study titled Utah Lake Water Level Fluctuation Report. And that was prepared by Central Utah Water Conservancy District and Stephen Thurin with HDR Engineering. So he's the one that shared all this information that we, we compiled for our, our blog and our podcast. As I mentioned, Tom Bruton uh, did a presentation on water levels at reservoirs in the Central Utah Project uh, at our governing board meeting and primarily talked about you know how drought is one of those main contributing factors. He talks about how our precipitation and reservoir levels looked. So we're going to put in that clip of Tom Bruton right here. Take a listen in. Uh, if you'd like it, again, we're going to include uh, the link to the full uh, presentation that he has in our governing board recording uh, on our YouTube channel. 130% plus precept, 130% plus of uh, uh, snow water equivalent snow depth. And so we came off that year a little bit hopeful that maybe things are changing a little bit, a little more, a little more water and things. And, and up to late for one, things were going great. So we had that snowpack, we had that precip, and, and then we had our forecast. And as you look to the north here, Jordan L Reservoir towards the top there, April forecast was 100%. If you look out in the Uinta Basin area, look at Strawberry here. Uh, this one got a little scary. It was 63% in April. And then look at Utah Lake. You know, for those numbers, this, this is kind of a portent of evil or something. We weren't quite sure where we were going to go. Uh, if you go farther out in the basin, starvation. 81% in April. Um, you say, well, why are you talk about starvation? Starvation is important to Utah Lake. I will get to that. But look then at the, at the forecast in June. Drops. Most things drop. Uh, Jordan now 17% drop. Utah Lake drops about 8%. Look at the one on strawberry. Oh, my. I'm not, I haven't seen that big a drop in between April and June forecast. So this is why we had the drop. These are precipitation maps for the months starting April, May, and June. So basically our, our spring and summer months. Okay, color patterns. Um, cool colors, starting with greens, moving through all shades of blue, and the darker purples are good. High percents, above 100%. Warmer colors, starting with yellows, working into an orange and all shades of red. And then I don't know why they picked fuchsia. Purple is my favorite color, but fuchsia is bad. Fuchsia is zero to 3%, 30% of average precepts. So here, April 1, we've got a pretty good back. We've had, you know, precepts a little below average, not too bad. And boom, April, nothing. May, nothing. June saves us a little bit. That's, that was the saving month to have anything on a runoff situation. Okay, now, um, with the reservoirs, with the status where they were, particularly after coming off a good year in 2019, 
Fortunately, we had some great things happen. Utah Lake failed to compromise this year. That's not to be taken for granted. That is a great thing. Jordanow failed. You go out in the Una Basin, Upper Stillwater failed. Um, I don't know if you've been out to there, the big concrete dam, big spill, big fancy spill and stuff. Strawberry, that's a 1.1 million acre foot reservoir, fills to 91%. There's more water in there than there is here at Compromise. Even that, That's a lot deeper, obviously. And then starvation fills. So, so we, again, we, by June, we've had poor run or poor precip runoff, take it into the reservoirs. We do pretty good. Okay, now let's go on to July, August, and to date in September. There is a trend here. Fuchsia, fuchsia, fuchsia. And so it's, it's, it's been dry. I, I've, I've been with this organization going on 34 years. Again, never seen a runoff and a precipitation pattern quite like this year. Okay, so Tom made some great points kind of talking about precipitation, reservoir levels, and what they look like currently. So drought is one of the main contributing factors behind low lake levels, but there are four other important factors that contribute to lake levels each year. First, there's upstream water use that reduces inflows to the lake. Second, changes in the lake outlet, which controls how much water flows out. Third, use of the lake as a storage reservoir, which affects storage and withdrawals of water. And then fourth, evaporation is a significant factor as well. So upstream water use. Beginning as early as the 1840s and 1850s, settlers in the area began substantial irrigation projects that diverted water that would have ended up in Utah Lake. Unfortunately, records, you know, aren't, don't really exist from that early sediment period. Currently, the state water plan, and I guess currently is from several years ago, back in 2004 is when this report was written. So, you know, this is 16 years old, but the state water plan at that time estimated that diversions upstream of Utah Lake totaled more than 300,000 acre feet per year. For anybody who doesn't know, one acre foot is a unit of volume equal to the amount of water to cover one acre of land one foot deep in water. So imagine an acre of land covered in a foot of water. That's an acre foot. Makes sense, right? So an acre foot is equal to 326,000 gallons of water approximately. So the upstream diversions, those are used for, and when we say upstream, it's primarily on Provo River. And those are used for irrigation, agriculture, and culinary water. Um, so some of these have existed for almost 200 years. And Utah Lake has functioned on managed inflows for that entire time. All of those diversions, good or bad, they impact Utah Lake. However, even with those diversions, annual inflow to Utah Lake at the time in 2004 when the report was written was estimated to be 726,000 acre feet. So just multiply that by gallons and imagine just how huge that is for uh, gallons of water. So the second reason that can impact and have low lake levels is changes in the lake outlet. Thurin's report states that in addition to changes in, in Utah Lake inflows, the most important historical change affecting Utah Lake levels has been the damming of the lake and other changes to the Jordan River to manage outflow for water supply purposes. The first diversion dam was built in 1850, and the first dam with a significant impact on lake levels was in 1872, right at the Jordan Narrows. So there has been controversy over the years in regards to these dams. Um, there's been a number of lawsuits trying to change the way water's held in the lake. The compromise, as I mentioned at the beginning, was the result of one of those lawsuits, um, resulting in the 4,489 feet elevation is considered full at the lake. Thurin's report showed that with the dredge channel and with the lake at compromise elevation, outflow was more than doubled. That being said, the sensitivity analysis that was performed as a part of the research project showed 
that the capacity of the natural Utah Lake outlet does not affect the average annual lake level variation as much as do the operational changes associated with using the lake as a water supply reservoir. Third reason then is the lake being used as a storage reservoir. So obviously Utah Lake is a natural occurring lake, but it is managed as a reservoir by the Utah State Engineer's Office to meet the water needs of the downstream water right holders and for water storage in conjunction with the storage reservoirs upstream. A bulk of the downstream water rights, which are just over 300,000 acre feet annually, is used during the months of May through September. So operating Utah Lake to reliably supply this volume causes the lake to be held at a higher level in the winter and spring and be quickly drawn down in the summer and fall, which contributes to lower lake levels. So this time of year that we're in right now in September is why you're seeing it lower. I think Tom in his presentation today at the governing board meeting uh, brought up that we, I think, are 2.84 feet below full is what he recorded yesterday. And our peak in June was at full, so zero feet, right? So we're already down three feet, and that's because partly because of that. The fourth reason is evaporation. This one is the one that blew my mind when I first learned it. Estimates of annual evaporation out of Utah Lake are approximately 380,000 acre feet. That is 52% of the estimated annual inflow to Utah Lake. So this is a significant contributor to lake levels, and there's no simple solution to decrease it. Now, why do we lose so much water evaporation? There's several factors. First, Utah Lake has a huge surface area. It's 24 miles long, 12 miles wide, so it's totaling 150 square miles, or about 96,000 acres. That's a lot of surface area exposed to sunlight, and hence more evaporation. Utah Lake's also very shallow. It's, you know, 9 to 10 feet deep on average. That means that the water can heat up very quickly. The fact that Utah is a desert aggravates this issue as well. So the the large surface area, shallow water, and the heat add up to that significant amount of evaporation. People listening to the episode might be thinking, this sounds pretty pessimistic, but, you know, what is the future of lake levels at Utah Lake? You know, if we take into consideration everything we covered today, the trends in fluctuating water levels, the impacts of diversions, outflows, evaporation, everything, we can expect to see similar trends as in the past. That's why that chart that we've got on the website is so important is that you can see that lake levels will go up and down. Typical years on the lake, you know, we have a wet winter, the lake's going to have higher years. We can have several good years in a row, it's going to remain high. If we have several bad years, like this year has been really bad for precipitation, the reservoir levels have dropped a lot, not just at Utah Lake, but other water bodies as well. So what can you do, though, is really that question, hopefully, that you're asking. Be smart about how we use water. I know that sounds, you know, maybe a little simplified, but really every decision that we make is going to impact that. With Utah County population going up, there's going to be less water to go around for more and more people. And so smart decisions need to be made. And if you listen into Tom from Central Utah Water's presentation, he talks about the importance of collaboration between their entities providing water and also the cities and the county as they're working to build infrastructure in order to provide that to the residents of the county. And there's also great things that the residents can be doing, watching to not be running your sprinklers when it's raining or in the middle of the day when it's hot, Uh, whether that's leaving water sources running in your home. Those are all great small things that can all be done to help reduce it. There's also talk of projects for things like dredging the lake that could reduce evaporation, Um, cutting down on Phragmites to reduce water consumption by the plants. There's all kinds of ideas. So we recommend that if you want to see a change, get involved, do something at home and get informed about the facts, you know, express your opinions and ideas and help in what ways you can. Utah Lake will continue to function. It'll continue to be beautiful during all four seasons, and it will still be there long after we die. If there are changes to be made, 
they're not going to occur unless we get informed and get involved and try and make a difference. So we hope that the discussion we covered today kind of helps you understand why lake levels fluctuate at Utah Lake specifically and help you understand you know, what to look forward to in the future, what kind of information is out there for you to be able to understand what lake levels are going to look like. There are other resources out there to learn more about water levels at the lake too. So we'll include the link to the blog post that we have, Understanding Water Levels at Utah Lake. There's also a water levels page on our website, and that links to Central Utah Water's website. That's the big, most important thing, because that's where you can check for live lake levels um, at Utah Lake. Now, granted, it's probably not 100% live. There is some lag, and there's probably some inaccuracy, because when windstorms come along, if it's pushing the water away from the sensor, it's going to look like the lake is more shallow than it is. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, obviously. Um, But there's some great information on that page talking about the history of it, a great chart and such. Um, Central Utah Water's website itself is a great location to be able to learn more about how water is managed um, in our watershed. So we hope you enjoyed the episode learning about water levels. If you have questions or concerns or ideas, always feel free to reach out to the, the commission and be able to share those ideas because we love helping people understand how Utah Lake functions and working to try and protect it and enhance it for the future. If you heard something you liked in this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. While you're at it, take a second and share this episode with someone else you think would like it. Help us spread the word about the facts, fiction, and fun of Utah Lake. You've been listening to Utah Lake, facts, fiction, and fun. For more information and resources, visit utahlakecommission.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.